This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. I just want to take the beginning of this episode to welcome back all of the faithful Grace Enough podcast listeners. And to those of you who may be listening for the first time, I truly am so glad you're here. If you are new to Grace Enough, I encourage you to subscribe to the show so you can hear all of the episodes coming up in the next few weeks. My guests are covering topics like how to calm angry kids, hope for women with father wounds, and identifying which of the seven types of rest you need recharged. But today, I chat with Amy Carroll. We talk about learning to listen, leveraging your feelings, and sharing your story in your day-to-day life. Listen to what Amy has to say about striving for consistency in our life and language. What we're going to strive for is consistency in our lives. And if you would tell a story about what God had just done in your life to your Christian girlfriend, why don't we tell these stories to our next door neighbors? And if we practice it in saying it in an unchurchy way, like without all the um, church vocabulary, which is beautiful and rich and deep, and we should know it, but we shouldn't necessarily be, you know, we want to level the playing field for our friends and story does that. And so when your friends say, what'd you do over the weekend? Why don't we say, well, I went to church and I mean, they played this new song that I absolutely love. It made me feel so close to God. After listening to today's episode, I hope you're encouraged to share just as openly about your time with Jesus with an acquaintance as you are with a friend at church. Hey, Amy, I just want to welcome you to the Grace Enough podcast. Oh my goodness. It's a delight to be with you. Yeah, go ahead. Let's just jump right in. Introduce yourself, your family, and tell everybody a little bit about what you do. Well, I'll tell you about my family first, because that's my most important and favorite thing to talk about. I've been married to my husband, Barry, for over 30 years, and we are still madly in love, which is we're in an empty nest season. And if my advice for younger women is maintain your marriage, because that's the person you got to be with. When the kids leave, um, it can feel like a second honeymoon. And we've experienced that. Oh, nice. Just loving that. Um, We've got two adult sons, one um, who we're not really empty nest right now because one of our sons is our oldest is home on furlough from a job during the quarantine and but our youngest son got married last year at the end of college and so he's doing um, the newlywed life uh, with a stay-at-home order I I think that's probably ideal don't you (laughs) I don't know the first year of our marriage I was just like whoa this is intense this is a somebody in my space a lot. So it got better as we went yeah. along. <laughs> no, I was kind of wired like you. These two are kind of lovey-dovey. They oh. really are. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're enjoying it. That's awesome. <laughs> 
my sweet daughter-in-law is more laid back than I am. So, so that's my family life. And then as far as my professional life, I speak and write for Proverbs 31 Ministries and I have my own blog. And also one of my very favorite things that I do is I have a podcast too. That's right. And <laughs> it's called Grit and Grace with my friend Sherry Gregory. So um, like you, I just love the conversations that I get to have with other people and how it helps me to process life. Yeah, it's so fun. Now you and do you all do it in the same location or do you guys speak like over Zoom like we are? We do it just like the two of us are. We're both in Wake County, which is amazing. But Sherry's actually in California. So we do the East Coast, West Coast thing. Yeah. It's so fun. Yes. And so we've enjoyed that so much. And we say that, you know, we're kind of two halves of one brain and we process life together, which is just amazing. And we actually co-authored a book together, Exhale, that came out last summer and I've decided she spoiled me rotten that I never want to write another book alone again. I like um, really collaborating yes. and talking through things and it suits my extrovert nature. Well, I think that's what, that is something I love so much about podcasting. And I admire women or men who can have solo podcasts because that is just something I, mm -mm. Me either. I love most about podcasting is talking to another individual, like you said, and getting input and being like, oh, that really challenged me to think differently or, you know, whatever. So it's, it's really fun to chat with someone. I totally agree. I listen to Emily P. Freeman and love her the next right thing. But I think, oh, my word, I could not do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's so gifted in that way because I yes, would think, oh, my goodness, all I'm doing is talking to myself. <laughs> yeah. So, well, tell me, how did you meet Jesus? Give us a little bit of your faith journey. Well, I grew up in a home with parents who love God. And of course, that's the ultimate gift, really. And um, and so I really, I, I grew up in church. I always joke and say, I've been in church since nine months before I was born. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say that the denomination that I grew up in was very traditional, um, very much that your faith is a private faith. Mm. And so I... I didn't understand salvation until I was 10. When I look back, I think, was it that my church didn't teach salvation or I just didn't have ears to hear yet? And I'm not sure really which, but I was an avid reader. And I think sometimes God uses our wiring the way he made us to draw us to him. And so as an avid reader, I, um, I read anything like, so if I'm in the shower, I read the shampoo bottle. If I'm sitting at the breakfast table, I read the cereal box. And that day I must not have had anything else to read. And, but a book came in the mail from a ministry. I've lost the book, so I don't even know where it came from, but it had the plan of salvation in it. I remember that night laying in bed as a 10 year old and understanding that I was separated uh, from God by my sin and asking him to forgive me and to have eternal life with him. And, and I remember the weight of that sin coming off of me. And it was so real yeah. that I shared that gift with my friends as I walked to school the next day. So that was my salvation experience. But at 16, I stalked a boy to a Bible study. <laughs> and the people at that Bible study 
they lived out their faith in a way I had never seen before. Exactly. It was more than a Sunday faith. It was an every breath you breathe faith. And so after a while, I forgot about the boy pretty much. And then, uh, <laughs> but I fell passionately in love with Jesus. And that experience at 16 really um, changed the course of my life. I mean, it is so amazing. Even things like that, these teenage crushes that you can have sometimes that, I mean, it does take you to a next level of faith, it, depending upon the situation you're in, right? It's so crazy. Well, that boy was in a Christian rock band. He was the piano player. And I have always had a thing for musicians. I have to confess. <laughs> if my husband's a musician, That's I think, awesome. well, God is just so good, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Craziest thing. But I think it's proof that he'll use our wiring and our desires to get us right where he wants us to be. I agree with that. Well, so your work really focuses on coming alongside women and you love to work with these women who have this tender heart steeped in God's word, but also have this desire to share their story. And I know for me personally, like when I first was introduced to you and reading on your blog, I was like, yes, that is me. Like I want this tender heart. I have it in some areas, but I, I love to share my story. Um, I love to share God's word. I love to get in front of a group of people and speak. And so how do you really come alongside women and help equip them for those things? Well, I mean, it's been a journey and it's funny because I've changed my wording a little bit. I don't even think I've changed it on my website, but I say that I'm gathering a community because I do feel like this, I'm kind of, this is sort of a new phase of ministry for me. And I feel like I'm only leading from half a step ahead. So before, for almost a decade, I talked a lot about, um, my first book was Breaking Up with Perfect. And I talked about just breaking up with our own perfectionism so we could allow God to do his perfecting work in us. Mm. So that was a space that I felt very like, I was 10 steps ahead. You know, this is a process God had been taking me through. I was teaching what I already knew, but this one is new mm. and it is hard and it is so, so scary. But my new tagline is tender heart, strong voices, because I really believe that God is calling all of us, but, but my job is helping to come alongside and gather women. Right. Um, that God is calling all of us to use our story, our voices for him in the spaces that we live in, wherever we have influence in our household, with our children, in our neighborhoods and communities, right. in our workplaces. And story is such a powerful way um, to share God's truth. So the four steps that I'm leading people through to uh, share their stories and use their voices is first to listen. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm a girl who likes to talk. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I, I realized I got to be 52 year old, 52 years old. And I'm like, I'm a terrible listener. Yes. I mean, I have gotten really good though, Amber, at looking <laughs> like I was listening to you, but I wasn't. I was really just thinking about the next thing I was going to say. Yeah. And God has been teaching me to really, really listen, because if we want to use our stories to connect with other people, we have to know their stories first. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really relevant for what we're going through in our country right now with race, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that we listen 
first and goodness knows we all have something to say, but if we would just not say it for a little while and if we'd really listen is the first step. And the second one is to feel, which a lot of Christians feel a little squirmy about this one because we've been told, you know, don't be led by your emotions and um, the heart is deceitful above all things. And those are all true. And yet God gave our emotions to us as a gift and God himself as we, as we study scripture, he has emotions. That's right. So I believe that as Americans, we've missed it because we numb out and we numb out with all kinds of stuff. We numb out with, with food and alcohol and drugs and TV and Facebook screens. Oh my goodness. I'm like preaching to myself now, you know, oh, yes. I, I believe God is saying, stop numbing out and let your emotions connect to mine in ways that are powerful. So we listen, we feel, and as we listen, we start to feel if we're really connecting with somebody's story, we should be feeling what they're feeling. And the, um, number three is we do something. A friend of mine posted one day and I was like, what? But she said, you know, just posting something on Facebook doesn't mean you've done something. And I'm I like, mean, yeah, it's so prevalent right now too. I, yes. Like, and I, my real feelings at that moment were like, don't mess with me. Mm-hmm. I felt really good about my social justice action posting mm-hmm. on Facebook, right? Until you said that. And so I believe that God will have us engage with the people that he wants us to tell our stories to and to serve those people, um, to come alongside those people, to gather a community. Yeah. And then the last thing that we do is we speak. And good, this is hard. This is so hard because the first thing we want to do is speak. But I believe, especially as an American culture, we have flipped it, that we should be speaking last instead of first. Um, But there is a time to speak. And when it's time to speak, story is a very, very powerful way um, to connect and to create change in other people's lives as well. Yeah, well, and just because you brought it up a little bit. I mean, I have said so many times, like I've had a couple of friends reach out to me and say, I just feel so helpless right now. Like, I don't know what to do. Right. And I mean, we hear everywhere right now, listen, listen, listen. And I feel like it is 100% true because three years ago when I started on a journey because we're talking about race, racial, Mm -hmm. racial reconciliation. I sat around a table with equal numbers of white women, equal number of black women. And it was one of the hardest, most rewarding things I have ever done because I had never sat in a space and listened to someone tell their story that I actually had a relationship with that was different than me. Yes. And I mean, you know, like I've listened to plenty of people tell about their stories when they've gone and they've, you know, done their mission work or they've lived abroad or they've adopted or they foster and all of those things impacted me incredibly and gave me empathy towards them and also helped me understand the struggle. But I had never sat down with someone of a different race and just said, what's, what is this for you? Is this true? Do you experience Mm -hmm. this? And it changed my life. Yeah, it is life-changing. And one of the big things that I've learned about listening is listening is not agreeing. 
This used to be what my big problem, this was my big problem is that I felt like that if I listened Mm. to someone and they were saying things that I didn't agree with, that if I didn't speak, that it would be as if I agreed. And I have learned that that is not true, that listening is not equal to agreeing. Listening is equal to love. That when we are loving people well, that we listen and we don't have to speak. There is a time to speak, but mine was always a knee jerk reaction that I had to correct or comment or, you know, whatever, add. And I'm finally learning, no, just shush, (laughs) you know, just Well, because that does allow relationship to develop. Right. So often, and then opportunity to speak comes up once relationship is developed or once someone feels like they've been heard. Exactly. Yeah. So incredible. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I guess we're basically what I'm saying is we're on the same page, same Mm -hmm. as far as in learning to listen, just sitting in that, um, and realizing that the voice that God has given you to share sometimes gets broken. Until mm. he kind of, you know, broken in a good way, sanctified, mm-hmm. mm. and then Ooh, yeah, you speak. And I've learned that. And it, you know, if you're somebody who talks a lot, sounds like you and I both are the same. That I think happens more frequently than I would like because I speak, I misspeak a lot. Oh, me too. And it's interesting because in my journey at 16, when I joined that Bible study and God started revolutionizing my life, he called me to pers- to silence for a good long time. I had been a really mouthy, really opinionated girl. I love to debate you down. And if I, if I wasn't winning, I just said it louder. I mean, you know, I was that I girl. I do know. <laughs> I was that girl. And so God really called me to, to silence for a period of time for a purpose. Silence was a purpose where he was, he was saying, Amy, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You need to stop talking so you can learn my ways and my thoughts. But then Amber, I switched into something really destructive, which was silence for self-protection. Because I learned, especially as a woman and a woman who's a church girl, that I could use silence as a way to fit in and to gain approval. Yep. And that was more popular. (laughs) And that, but there's come a, there came a point about three years ago where, where I felt like God was saying, Amy, I'm calling you out of silence. I've been calling you for a while. Your silence is now sin. It's not, it's not silence with a purpose anymore. It's sin because you're using it to protect your own reputation instead of furthering God's reputation. And so Oh, it's been a journey because well, I want to do it well because mm-hmm. it is a journey and I, there is no quick fix to things like this. And I, I absolutely know exactly what you're talking about. Realizing that self-protection of, oh, I'm starting to learn to sit back because if I speak up in this place, it's not, it's either, if it's not safe, that's a good thing to not speak up, but if it's a way to just fit in and look right. like you're the nice church girl, yep, you have to really reevaluate, right? Like, okay, God, this is not who you've created me to be. It is exactly. who you've created some people to be, but I sure. would fight it. Like, 
oh, I'm too much mm-hmm. for people, you know? So that fighting is like, and then figuring it out is just a process. Absolutely. And I don't want to go back to the mouthy opinionated girl. No. That's not the part. That's why tender hearts is first. Yeah. You know, that our hearts that we listen to God first. Sure. We listen to other people, but we really should be tuned in and listening to God first. And then we can listen to other people and listen with love, not necessarily agreement because we have a biblical filter yeah. and we can, and we can kind of filter all that through God's word. And so, like I said, this is not you know, a lot of people, I think it's kind of a passive listening. I'm not talking about that. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm talking about listening to earn the right to speak Mm. (laughs) and one goes before the other. That's right. It does. Well, and you know, you've also said like learning to leverage those feelings is (laughs) so powerful through story. You mentioned it a little bit because it's one of the steps you really work on with women. And I've been doing emotionally healthy spirituality with Pete Scazzaro. And I mean, one of the very first things he talks about is all these different places in the Bible where we see God, we see Jesus express emotion. Why are we so trained to stuff it? Yes. And so how, how do you go about teaching people really to leverage their feelings? one of them is to end numbing behaviors. Like I said, um, one thing that I hear and listen, you're going to, I'm sorry, you'll probably get the emails, not me, but one thing that I hear Christians (laughs) say a lot is like, people know I'm not one to be like, Oh, sugarcoat it. Well, this is not too controversial. I won't put you in too bad of a spot. Um, but the, I say, I hear Christians say a lot with pride. I don't watch the news. Um, I think there's a balance for sure, for sure. Like a steady diet, especially a steady diet of one news station is bad for any of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, (laughs) I think for me, I'll just speak for myself. It's been a way for me to stick my head in the sand. Oh yeah. Because I've gone three seasons where I'm like, I'm not watching the news. That like harshes my mellow. You know what I mean? Oh yes. Yes. My life is just fine. Thanks. I'll just stay here in this little happy, happy spot. But I think as Christians that we are called to be aware of what is going on in our world and, and we're to engage with the pain of people who are suffering around us and to know the stories of people who don't have a voice so we can help share those. And listen, we can't take care of every problem. That's right. um, but if we're numbed out, we're not going to take care of any problem. We'll be taking care of me, myself and I, and that's it. But when we engage our feelings with other people, inevitably God will call us to do something inevitably. And so I believe that God wants us, a, wants us to, to release those feelings, to stop the numbing, to stop the scrolling, to stop the avoiding, to stop the, you know, whatever it is that you use and I use to numb our feelings. My fo- food is my drug of choice a lot of times. Yes. Um, and so <laughs> true confessions, um, but to stop that, and to actually let ourselves feel some things and let God use that as, as leverage to move us into what he wants us to do for our world. And, um, and that's a really different thing than letting your feelings lead and being overcome by your feelings. It's going to really hurt sometime to engage with our world, but that is okay. Cause think of the pain that God feels when he watches our world every day. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm, 
I'm encouraging people to do is to allow that emotion to move you towards doing something. And Sherry, my friend Sherry that I do the podcast with, she says this thing. She said, everybody has a need with their name on it. I think one, one of the things that happens when we start to engage our emotions is we feel overwhelmed because the pain and the needs of the world are just completely overwhelming, especially right now. But Sherry, I love that concept. We don't have to do everything, but we have to do something. That's right. And, um, and there God has given us a need with our name on it. And if we just do that thing, we'll be walking in obedience to him. And there's great joy in that. Yeah. And I mean, when you learn about things going on in the world, it is our responsibility to go, you know, back to the Lord always and just say, you know, God, is this something that you want me to step into? Or is this just supposed to be the Facebook post? Is it supposed to be nothing? Am I to bring this up in the Bible study I'm a part of? There's so many different Mm. ways that if it's not the actual, you know, like maybe everybody's not going to sit around a table um, for a racial reconciliation group, Mm -hmm. but you can still speak in different spaces. For example, little things like when someone makes a comment, um, you can just ask, well, have you ever asked someone Uh, what their experience is like, because you may have a different perspective if you were to ask someone what their experience is like. So there are so many ways to meet needs that are not like, oh my goodness, I have to go to a foreign country and save the the whole country. Or start a nonprofit. Start a nonprofit. (laughs) I have so many friends that run nonprofits and I just love it. And my aunt said to me, she was like, are all your friends in ministry? I know. I started laughing. Do you? I feel like sometimes all mine are. <laughs> well, it's kind of our world, it but is. it is. But that's the. But that's the thing I want your listeners to hear is no, you don't have to start a nonprofit, or as you said, Amber, you don't have to move a continent away right. to serve God right where we are. Yeah, and one-on-one conversations is the best way to share God's love, to share His wisdom, to encourage, to pray, and I mean. It's very clear that God wants us to do that in one-on-one relationships as well as in groups of people. So, you know, it's just, it's really great to hear you talk about the, the feelings and the emotions because I, I see a trend kind of going away from that suppress, 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 but instead, well, let's deal with those. Let's talk about those, not in an explosive way or in an anxious way but in a way that is just honest before the Lord and with people that we don't have it all figured out. Absolutely. Years ago, I heard some of the best advice about emotions that just constantly rings around in my head. We had, we had a tragedy at our church. We had a senior in high school die on our youth retreat, um, fell, fell from a zip line and died. And, and people in the church witnessed it. It was, it was truly horrifying all of it. And so uh, it was the first youth retreat that my, my oldest son went on (laughs) as a middle school student. I mean, it was really, it it was terrible in every way. Um, And so one of the things that our church staff did to help is they had a Christian counselor come in and talk to all the kids and parents, but the counselor said, you know, Christians are the toughest people to treat in counseling. 
because they want to cover everything up, all their emotions up. And they believe like, if you have enough faith, you shouldn't feel that. And what he said, that is the advice I hang on to is he said, feel all of it and take it to the cross of Jesus. And I love that because it gives us permission to have all the feelings without feeling like we have to be a slave to those feelings without feeling like we have to that we're going to get caught up in wallowing in those feelings because we feel it all and we take it to Jesus and we we're like Jesus tell us what to do with this how to process this or heal this or Mm -hmm. you know there are lots of different ways that Jesus will interact with our feelings but I thought that is so great that we have Jesus there to help us with our feelings. We don't grapple with them alone. Yes. And I mean, so often it's been taught or just assumed that like all feelings are sinful feelings. And that is just not true. Right. Right. It's not biblical. (laughs) It's not biblical at all. It's not. (laughs) I'm like, how did we get to that place? Exactly. Well, and most Christians do have a desire to share their story, but so often we are just paralyzed by fear. What will people think? Will they think I'm, you know, kooky or just the fear of rejection? Yes, absolutely. So let's say if we're directly talking about sharing our faith story um, with people, how do you counsel women in that area? Well, okay, so I'm going to redefine faith story a little bit. So a lot of us, if we hear the term faith story, we think, well, I have to share about how I read that book when I was 10 years old and I stalked the boy to the Bible study. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we think we have to unpack the whole thing. Or some of us have been in college ministries where you you share the four spiritual laws, you know. All those things are great. They're Romans great. Road. We're walking exactly. down Romans Road. Exactly. Oh, yeah. They're all Southern Baptists all the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and you got to pray a specific way at the end. All of that good stuff. Um, the power <laughs> of story is it connects people. And I think our faith stories is just simply sharing whatever God is doing in our lives. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember back in those college days, I read one of the best books I've reread it several times since. And, um, it's called out of the salt shaker and into the world. I'm trying to remember the author's name. It's a classic. Don't worry. Um, I'll find it. Okay, good. Link it, link I it will, for your people. Best book on evangelism I've oh, ever, I ever read. I've heard of it. I don't think it's, it's amazing. It's written by a woman, which is oh, awesome. Nice. And so, um, and she just talked, one of the things that challenged me that continue has continued to challenge me all through my life is that we should have a consistency of life and speech. So, you know how most of us, like when we go to church, we talk one way. Yeah. And when we talk to our neighbors, we talk a different way. And she said, she basically says like, stop it. Make your speech consistent across the board. Now, this has been a challenge for me um, as a communicator and stuff, because I've taken it super seriously. And what has happened is instead of me bringing the churchy language to my neighbor, which they don't get it necessarily if they're not in church and it sounds weird. Like why do human beings talk like that? You know, (laughs) is that I've, I've taken my regular everyday speech into the church and it's hilarious to watch it as a speaker because some churches think i, I mean it's come. usually i gotta come hear this <laughs> well it's two it's usually two reactions usually they don't think i'm christian enough it's so because sad, i don't right? use the churchy language yeah it's just crazy but anyway so what we're going to strive for is consistency in our lives and if you would tell a story 
about what God had just done in your life to your Christian girlfriend, why don't we tell these stories to our next door neighbors? And if we practice it in saying it in an unchurchy way, like without all the um, church vocabulary, which is beautiful and rich and deep, and we should know it, but we shouldn't necessarily be, you know, we want to level the playing field for our friends and story does that. And so when your friends say, what'd you do over the weekend? Why don't we say, well, I went to church and I mean, they played this new song that I absolutely love. It made me feel so close to God. It is interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a lit, that's a little story right there. And maybe that person will think, huh, what does it feel like to be close to God? And then it opens more conversation later. Or, um, I, one of the things that I've really learned over the years is the deepest vulnerability develop, it develops the deepest connections. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going, if your friend is going through something painful and you've listened to their story, like really entered in and listened, there may be a time, usually it's not right when they, they're telling their painful story, that becomes a comparison thing. We don't want to do that, but there may be a time when you can tell your friends something painful that happened to you and how God came in and comforted you mm-hmm. or how God sent someone who had gone through something similar to comfort you. So we use our stories as a natural way to introduce God to people who may not know him. Yeah. And if we, if we practice it, it takes some practice to feel natural because it, because we've kind of eradicated God from our everyday storytelling, right? But but we sure want to insert him back in when we go to church. Well, what if we bring him out of the church building and we tell about him in our everyday stories to people? As you're saying that, I'm thinking about this question that I actually posted on Instagram a couple weeks ago, it was a series of questions, again, kind of geared towards emotionally healthy spirituality. And one of them was, do I compartmentalize God to certain areas of my life? And I had come to the realization that I do. Me too. Just, just like what you're talking about right now. Whereas, you know, I'm all about communing with the, the living God when I get up at five in the morning and have my quiet time. I think I'm communing with him throughout the day. But when I start really breaking that down, the reality is there are certain places that I take him, quote, unquote. Mm -hmm. He's always with us. So I don't mean that. But I'm talking about my own mindfulness of Christ with us um, into certain areas. And then I don't take him other places, right? Yeah. And that reminds me. Well, that's what it reminds me of with speech, though. Same thing, right? Like if we're consistent with our speech, when it comes to how we're talking about God, then he should be in most of our conversations if he's what we're feasting on most of the time. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we can do that and really, um, if we make it a natural part of tearing down that compartmentalization, it doesn't come across as preaching. Yeah. It doesn't come across as shoving stuff down people's throats. It's basically saying God's part of my life and this is what he's doing and, and inserting that here and there. And I think it will make our culture much more open. Listen, people need God Love that, and they want God. They may not even know they want him yet. Well, cause they don't want the churchy version that we put out there a lot is what I think. They don't want this for, for spiritual laws. Can I say that? <laughs> 
You can say that on Grace Enough podcast. Okay. Because there is a time and a place for that, right? It's just like you said, there's a time and a place, but very few people are coming to know Jesus through condemnation. Well, I had a college student. This was back when I was a young mom and hanging out with a bunch of girls from campus outreach at Elon University. And I had one of them gently say to me one day, Amy, nobody wants to be your project. I was like, ow, oh, but she's right. People don't want a presentation. They want a connection with us, right? So true. Oh, it's a good word. And stories are connectors. And goodness knows, I don't know where all your listeners live, but we are Southern. Mm-hmm. And Southerners are known for stories. And you know yeah. who else was known for stories? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Jesus would be hanging out with us on a front porch with sweet tea. I'm just saying because stories are powerful and they're connectors because they involve relationship and they involve emotion Mm. um, mixed with truth. And so I think that if we would leverage those stories, we would see change start to happen around us. Wow. I really do love that. I mean, that really impacts me in a way that I'm thinking now, like specifically about a some neighbors where it's like, you know, my general talk isn't always, you know, what I did, you know, oh, I went to if gathering this weekend at my church and we sat around and talked about Jesus and it was just so encouraging. We loved being together and that's it. Cause that's what I did. That's all. Yep. <laughs> and then you never know if you continue to have conversations with people like that, the curiosity is peaked and mm-hmm. deeper and deeper conversations arise. So thank you for that. That helps me. Well, listen, I'm convicted even just talking to you because originally um, I had somebody say, do you think as a speaker that you could apply your speaking principles to stories in everyday life? And I was like, yeah, I do. So I wrote about it and I spoke about it, but man, I need to be doing it more too in my everyday life. I mean, it's a good practice for all of us, right? That's Mm -hmm. why things like this are encouraging. It reminds us to do something different. Mm Mm-hmm you know, to grow closer to him. Well, as we start to close out, I like to ask a couple of questions. Um, We've been chatting for a while. So I'm going to ask you, if you had the opportunity to sit down with your great grandchildren, what's some wisdom you would like to share with them? I hope this doesn't come off as trite, but I mean, my one sentence would be love Jesus more than anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard an interview with Beth Moore recently And she was giving advice to young moms and she said, pray for your children to have a supernatural love for Jesus. And she said, because like we pray for their behaviors all the time. And listen, um, I have adult sons and I still tend to do that, but a love for Jesus, a supernatural, great love for Jesus, loving Jesus more than anything the behaviors will take care of themselves. Do you know, I mean, Jesus takes care of that stuff, but it's loving him that makes life worth it. Hmm. That's it. Bottom line. I've had this question answered so many times and a lot of answers are, I just, I I want you to love God's word and I want Mm -hmm. you to love Jesus. It's so true. There's nothing tried about it, right? Like that's what we pray for our kids. I pray it all the time. Please just give my kids a love for Jesus and his word. Yes. Because that does. I mean, that takes care of the rest. So, well, so how can people connect with you? 
I probably the best way to find the whole package is to go to amycarroll.org. And that's where you can find out about my books and the podcast and connect with me there. Um, and so tell us the name of your podcast again. Grit and Grace. So it's Grit and Grace, but it's just with the N in the middle. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Amy, for sitting down with me. I am really, really grateful. Well, this has been a treat. It really has. So thank you for having me. Friends, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you will be notified when a new episode drops. You can subscribe and listen to Grace Enough Podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and pretty much any other listening app you use. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.